Good morning, good afternoon, what's new in adaptive physical education? This is your host, Scott McNamara, and I'm really, really happy to be uh, hosting on the topic that we're going to talk about today. We have a great panel. We're going to talk about parent advocacy for adapted physical activity and adaptive physical education. Uh, we have an awesome panel. We have Dr. Garth Timeson from the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, La Crosse, Wisconsin. And we have a APE teacher and coordinator, Rocco. And then we also have Sherry St. Clair, a parent of a child with a disability, and also a community organizer. And we're going to talk about legislation. We're going to talk about how parents can get more involved and how they can find more resources on how to access adaptive physical education services for their kids. Before we get started on this topic, I want to share with everyone uh, something I'm very, very excited about, and I'm going to be at the APE conference in Denton, Texas, Women's University, for an APE conference, a live podcast. And the live podcast will have two different sets. We're going to do one on behavior management, and then we're also going to do one on service delivery. We'll also be taking audience participation, so bring your questions if you're going to come to the APE conference. And the... The dates for this conference are September 16th and 17th. So I'm super excited about this, doing a live podcast, and I really hope that it gets more people involved and spreads the word more about the podcast and about and just about adapted physical education. So with that, we're going to get started. Today's topic, we're talking about parents and adapted physical education and how to keep our parents knowledgeable about their rights as well as how to keep their kids physically active. So I'm happy to have representatives from the higher ed part. We got Dr. Timeson. We got the practitioner and administrator role with, with uh, Rocco. And we also have the parent, Sherry, who runs a disability organization in her community. So we are here today talking about parent advocacy, making sure that Parents are knowledgeable about their rights in APE and how to keep their kids fit throughout their lifespan and especially during their school years as well. We're, we're here and I, the first thing I really want to ask you all, why do you think that parents need to aware of APE and physical activity for kids with disabilities? Why? Well, you, you know, I think, Scott... Uh, it would be the same thing as to why you and I feel physical activity um, is important. What I always try to do is encourage the parents to be thinking 5, 10, 15, even 20 years ahead. And so be thinking of what the youngster is going to be doing when they're 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old. And you and I want to be involved in physical activity in the community. We might have a favorite sport that we do. We might have a favorite exercise like biking or hiking or jogging or running. And we know these are all health-enhancing activities. And that's what physical education for students with disabilities should be all about. We should be looking ahead and we should be saying, what do we want to have for a healthy individual 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? 
Okay, and from my perspective as an adaptive PE itinerant, uh, now a coordinator, it is the parent's legal right to know that uh, adaptive PE is a direct service and is so vital not only in the school but those years after into the community. Uh, so we play a very important role in advocacy and also breaking down the social barriers that are still out there today in reference to individuals with disability and adaptive feed. It, I'm glad Rocco mentioned that about the, uh, the legal aspects. And from a parent point of view also, you know, I think it's very important that parents, as they approach adaptive physical education services, that they look at adaptive physical education as any other special education or related service and should have the expectations that this is going to be a service that my son or daughter is going to be receiving uh, so that they can be prepared for an IEP meeting, so that they have expectations of adapted physical education, so there can be discussion about placement and assessment and evaluation and all of those parts of special education, as Rocco was saying. And Sherry, I, I would really like to know what your perspective is on why you think physical activity is important for parents to know about that have uh, kids with disabilities? Uh, when JW, JW is uh, 31 years old now. Mm -hmm. um, when he was in elementary school is when I first started attending IEP meetings. Um, we would get a letter sent home telling us when the IEP meeting was and what teachers were going to be attending and encouraged you to um, attend that meeting, although they said you did not have to attend if you chose not to or it was inconvenient. Um, I always tried to attend or I had them reschedule the meeting. Um, it gave me a one-on-one -on -one rapport with his teachers. His, uh, Rocco was generally at the meeting, the uh, phys ed, his regular phys ed teacher, and his um, community-based classroom teacher attended the meeting. They sort of filled me in. JW um, was speech impaired, so he got... Um, he received speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and then he worked with um, Rocco in the gym. Um, it kept me up to date on what he was doing. Um, it kept me comfortable with his teachers and, and feeling like I could communicate. We also communicated every day um, when he came home from school in a little notebook, his teacher would say what he'd been doing and what he was accomplishing, um, and he loved working with Rocco, so he, he generally filled me in. From a parent point of view, um, as, as you and I know, we talked uh, you know, quite a bit uh, in preparation for this, and I think it's so important, and Sherry really nailed it, that, um, that as adaptive physical education teachers and parents, really, parents really should be asking ahead of time uh, things that might be taking place at the IEP meeting. So, and, and I'm sure Sherry would uh, would agree with this. I, I think as parents of students with disabilities, they should be requesting that there's an adaptive physical education teacher and or general PE teacher at, a, at an IEP meeting, that they should be expecting that there's assessment and evaluation data from standardized instruments, uh, just like any other special education or related service area. I'm sure Sherry wanted to um, find out information about placement options 
and what types of accommodations were going to be made. I'm sure Rocco was probably talking about the, um, the units of instruction that were taking place either at the middle school or the high school or whatever grade level it might be. And it's so important um, that parents understand that this is what they should be expecting at the meeting. And, and sometimes they need to be a little proactive to be sure the school district is providing that information. It's, it's not always the case that we've got an expert and an advocate like Rocco at meetings. And that's why it's important, and I'm sure Sherry would agree, um, that parents need to be somewhat um, you know, educated and a little bit of proactive regarding what's happening at an IEP meeting in physical education. What are some of the barriers that you've seen or how have you navigated some of those barriers between the communication uh, between APE and parents at an IEP meeting? Let me just start off by saying one of the barriers that I see is the marginalization of physical education and ADAPT-P in meetings. Um, it is not the topic to go to, so to speak. And as an, as an adaptive p teacher, my job is to uh, advocate for adaptive physical education and also including the parents. So I would make sure that um, parents are informed about adaptive physical education. And when parents are informed, they become your, um, your, your person, your go-to person in education. They will advocate for you in adaptive physical education. So that's a really important piece. I think, again, undergrad and grad students in adaptive physical education have to realize that what they do in the classroom is only 50% of what we do totally. The other 50% is advocacy in our schools and in our community. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more with what Rocco said. That is fantastic um, because, as I'm sure Sherry knows, it, it, sometimes it's kind of difficult to know what to expect. And as Rocco so, so wonderfully expressed, that we need to be advocates also. And sometimes there are situations where advocacy might be a little bit uncomfortable um, in relation to a possible special education administrator or principals. But it's important that parents are comfortable at asking the adaptive physical education teacher uh, regarding what my rights are, regarding what types of services I should be provided. And so I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Rocco has really nailed it that the adaptive PE teachers need to be knowledgeable and they need to know how to get that information across as an advocate, not only for parents, but there are many times when the adaptive PE teacher will also be educating possibly principals, administrators, because not every special education staff member or administrator or regular education principal understands where physical education is in the federal law and special education. We still have many times where there are things confused. And as Rocco has expressed, knowledge and, and educating and advocating is such an important role in adaptive physical education. And that really helps parents. And let me just add to that, uh, for example, uh, two weeks ago, I met with a new assistant principal at an elementary school, and she referred to adaptive PE as a related service. And that was what a wonderful opportunity to educate the uh, assistant principal that we are direct service, and it spells it out very clearly in public law idea. So, uh, again, being cognizant of that from an adaptive PE standpoint, 
is very important. I, I get a note, I'll get a story in relation to what Rocco just mentioned about uh, somebody misperceiving things. I've gotten to the point at the university here where I understand that in the schools, and I'm sure Sherry has experienced this, oftentimes you have an IEP team leader, and oftentimes that's a school psychologist or an educational diagnostician. I've gotten to the point where in, at my university, not only in physical education and in special education am I providing some information about adaptive PE, but I go into our master's program in school psychology and talk about those services because oftentimes, as Rocco knows, oftentimes those persons will be very influential at an IEP meeting, and they may also even be facilitating the meeting. And if they don't understand that it's a direct service as opposed to a related service, things can get very tangled up. And what happens there? The parent really gets more confused uh, in relation to what physical education is all about. So we're talking about related services and direct services now. I feel like we're really diving into that topic. Uh, and we were talking a little bit about that yesterday, Garth. Really quickly, I want to know what are the differences between related and direct? Let's, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, you know, within the, within the federal law, special education has a definition. And special education, as we know, and again, you know, it's right, right in the federal rules and regulations, especially designed instruction, uh, including several different other things. And then an important fact is that special education includes instruction in physical education. So therefore, physical education, specially designed if necessary, is part of special education. All students are eligible for that special education service. Related services have a special or, or a unique or different definition. Related services are only required if a student is going to need that particular service, such as speech therapy or physical therapy or occupational therapy. So therefore, not every student needs every related service or is eligible for it. However, since physical education is part of the definition of, of special education, all students must receive physical education and that may be specially designed or adapted PE if necessary. All of this should be documented on the IEP with specific frequency and duration also, just like it would be for speech therapy or physical therapy or occupational therapy. So there is a great deal of difference between related services and physical education. Garth, that was excellent. I couldn't have said that any better. The one thing I did when I went to an IEP meeting uh, and talking is I have part of that public law with me. And when it shows physical education law, I, I explained to people that we are the only discipline, physical education, that is mentioned in public law idea. They don't mention science. They don't mention math or English. They mention phys ed. So I try to tie it in and actually show them right there. Uh, by having the law with me when I used to go to an IEP meeting. If I needed to pull it out, I would. Now, in, in relation to those related services and physical education, I want to make sure, and I'm sure Sherry and, and I'm sure Sherry and Rocco would agree, we don't want to perceive a disconnect. We, we want to make sure that 
everyone understands that adaptive physical education is working oftentimes very closely with one or more related services. For example, um, a motor team approach is a very good model. And so it's very common and it should be encouraged that adaptive physical education teachers are working very closely with their colleagues in physical therapy. And in many school districts, that motor team is working together for the interests of the students. It might be a youngster who's a wheelchair user. It might be a youngster with spina bifida or some other type of physical impairment where a physical therapist may have some expertise that is gonna help the adaptive physical education teacher and vice versa. And so even though they are different services and they're working on different um, aspects and content, those persons should be working together as a motor team. It is very, very common in school districts for adaptive physical education teachers and PTs and OTs to be in the same office areas working together. But again, there is a difference in relation to what's required in the law, but for proper service delivery for kids with disabilities, a motor team approach is a very positive and effective uh, strategy. Um, when JW was in uh, middle school and high school, and had occupational therapy and physical therapy. I remember Rocco um, would go would uh, go into the special classroom so that JW is in a in a wheelchair right now, but he usually uses a walker to ambulate. But it's a hundred degrees outside, and uh, <laughs> so we used the wheelchair today instead of him trying to walk um, from the parking lot. Anyway. Uh, he would use his uh, wheelchair, I mean his walker, in order to get into the men's room, um, in order to uh, sit down at his desk. Um, he had to have instruction as to how to pull the chair out and how to turn around and sit down and for to be more independent in the classroom. And I clearly remember Rocco working with his um, physical therapists and, um, and special ed teachers in order to make him more comfortable in the in the classroom, yeah. and, and that's the way it and that's the way it should be. There should mm -hmm. be a lot of collaboration between related services and adaptive physical education, just like there's collaboration among special education classroom right. teachers and behavior therapists and school psychologists. That collaboration is key, and that's a unique feature um, of, of one of the adaptive physical education major roles. I, I love where this conversation is going right now. Um, I'm going to ask kind of a, a maybe a simple question, but you know I think that there is a, a huge impact on whether it's seen as a direct service or related service, and you know perspective is everything from the IEP team because it's almost related service if that's what how they start framing it even though it's wrong how does a parent then go and find out how do they know that they're they're being wronged perhaps or how do they how do they find out that this is a direct service and that information which um, clearly identifies which one is which yeah I, I think you know Rocco mentioned it uh, and, and possibly I think Sherry mentioned it also um, I'm, I'm constantly sharing actual information with parents, and um, I'll have a handout that I'll give parents, and I'll recommend that parents bring it to the IEP meeting 
where there's a clear distinction between the definitions of related services and physical education. I have a packet where there's about four pages that I have picked out out of the 200 pages of rules and regulations for IDEA, and those two pages make it very clear. Now, in addition to that, there are many other resources. We have a very good frequently asked questions, a Q&A, that the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction has put on the website, and it is specifically for special education teachers, physical education teachers and parents. And it very clearly makes a distinction between related services and adaptive physical education. So there are many resources out there, and this is perfect because, you know, Sherry is advocating that parents are, are, are updated and really are advocating for their children at an IEP meeting. We, we really need to do a better job educating all parents that they can bring this information into a meeting and they need to be saying that, yes, we want physical education. Yes, we understand that it's different than physical therapy or occupational therapy. So there are resources out there, and I'm sure, about, you know, I'm sure towards the end of the podcast, we'll talk about where these resources are. I'm going to ask another question on uh, the how part. Because I like to, I like to always know. You know, we know there's issues with all these things. We know that sometimes it's not being properly done. But then, how does a parent then properly go into an IEP? Because I've given legislation and laws and information to parents as well, and um, to later find out that maybe it still didn't go the way they wanted it to. So how how do they bring up these laws in an effective way to still maybe maintain a relationship with the IEP team? Uh, because when I used to be in I, you know, IEP meetings, they could be really intense or the parent could kind of get you know, disregarded even if they did bring something up. So how do, what can parents do to effectively communicate? One of the things that I've done recently is get parents to understand law, and I actually have various resources for them to go to. One is our resources that we have intra our system, which is our adaptive fee website that they get tied into. Our Citizens Advisory Committee also gets that knowledge. And also Rights Law, which is a great website that parents can go to. It really spells it out very clearly, the laws and, and the, the legal responsibility and the legal rights of parents. So again, I think sharing that information with parents is probably one of the best things we can do as educators. <laughs> you know, Rocco, I'm glad you just mentioned that about Rights Law. Because just last week, they uploaded a 35-minute video that one of my graduate students just completed, (laughs) and it is on their website now. And that website has been uh, recently updated within the past three to four months. That's a wonderful resource where many, many things are together there for parents. Uh, And again, it's not just an opinion page that's out there. All of, those in, all of those references are directly related to the federal rules and regulations. There are also, um, on that web page, uh, Scott, there are some letters of clarification that OSEP has actually issued directly related to physical education. Uh, one of them relates to preschool age, one of them relates to secondary transition, high school level, and so there's actual letters of clarification that the Office of Special Education has issued, and those are simple things that can be printed out, and parents can bring those to an IEP meeting, and things should be pretty clear 
in relation to the distinction between a related service and required physical education. Then I would suggest that, you know, if there's still some disagreement, maybe the parent might want to contact the parent center within the state, or as Rocco has mentioned, maybe some type of legal advocate. But again, you hope that the parents and the school district are really staying positive and are working together in that IEP meeting. You know, you don't want to get adversarial. You know, it doesn't vary often in relation to physical education, but you want to make sure there's some, you know, that people are working together. But there's times when there are misinterpretations. And again, Rocco gave the situation. I hear it all the time that a school district, an adaptive PE teacher or two in Wisconsin will contact me and say, wow, we just got a new special ed director, and he said this is how we were going to do it from now on. And things were completely different, you know, than what was done in the past. And that person really didn't understand that adaptive physical education was a direct service as opposed to a related service. So those resources are out there for parents, and, you know, we need to continue to help parents use those. On that same note, there's also sometimes the IEP platforms that we now are starting to use in schools, which are all web-based. I've actually seen, well, the one that my school used had adaptive physical education under related services rather than direct services. And so there was no way to even write it in where it needed to properly be. And I've heard that as well as an issue, which just further confuses things for parents and everyone involved. Now, we're already kind of talking about rights law, and we're talking about some federal dear colleague letters, which can discuss some things that are happening federally in APE for parents to use. And we quickly mentioned state resources as well, such as the parent resource centers. So let's go specifically on what parents can utilize statewide or locally to help them, guide them through APE services, also how to keep their kids physically active outside of school. In Maryland, we have the Adaptive PE Handbook that was done by our consortium. And I make that available through the Adaptive PE website that all of our educators and now parents have access to. So again, you're just, you know, it's, I call it dare to share. You know, whatever we have, let's share it. Uh, so that's important. I haven't done that in the, in the years earlier when I started, but I, you know, as I um, went through the cycle and became a lot older, I realized that was a lot more important to share all this information that we have. You know, Rocco brings up a good point, and Rocco is, is in a state where I'm going to say he's maybe one of maybe 12 to 15 states that has a very nice state-level adaptive physical education manual, and actually in some of the counties in Maryland, they have some of the best materials in the country. It, it's important to understand that you know there are some states out there um, where, where parents really will have a hard time finding information about adaptive physical education. Uh, you know, you, you have some states like Maryland, you have states like Wisconsin, Minnesota, and, and there are others that have some good resources that are prepared for parents, but there are also other states out there 
where we're having trouble finding a faculty member in higher education who's preparing people in adaptive physical education. So therefore, sometimes the more um, national sites like Rights Law or people clicking on to you know, some of the websites that, are, that have a lot of information might be what they need. Um, I, I think sometimes that some of these school districts in some states where there aren't a lot of teacher preparation programs or adaptive physical education teacher certification, and I, I think it would be very challenging for parents. And, and that's why it's important to have some of these websites, to have podcasts like this that future teachers or current teachers can share with parents. Uh, it, it's a challenge, and, and, and Sherry is in a great situation having somebody like Roko, but there are many, many places where you don't have an expert um, like you have in Maryland and like you have sitting right at that table right now. Uh, so what we're doing right now, and uh, we have a website, an intro website that's under construction at my school district that is adapted PE related. And what we are planning on doing is sharing the pertinent information for parents to go to. We're also going to upload videos and pictures of our students, not only in the school system and the skills that they're working on, but what we do in the community. And that's where Sherry's going to come in involved with her program. So that parents can go to the website and say, okay, in St. Mary's County, look what they're doing in the school system in physical education, adapted, and what we're doing in the community so we can make that connection and continuity. So that's going to be this year at Friday. You know, Scott, I'd like to actually ask Sherry a question. And, and I work with a lot of parents, and we'll sit down with them and, and, and recommend things that they bring to the IEP meeting. Sherry, I'm just really curious, what do you want from us as adapted physical education teachers? You know, what, what do you want and what do you think other parents want from adapted physical education teachers and their program? Well, I I was very fortunate to have Rocco as our adaptive uh, PE coach. Uh, he really um, opened my eyes as to a lot of, of JW's abilities. Um, JW needs a, the walker to ambulate because his um, leg muscles are very tight. Um, but he's he's got a lot of upper body. I've pumped. Yeah, he pumps. Um, what Rocco did or what an adaptive PE teacher is able to do is really kind of point out your child's strengths. Um, I, I knew JW wasn't able to stand up and walk unassisted, mm -mm. but I didn't know what muscles, you know, what what to develop, what, what would... Um, enable him to walk on a walker longer you know a lot of times with cerebral palsy as you age um trying to stay mobile is a, is a challenge um the adaptive pe teacher kind of gave you a long range um what to work on and how to stay upright and not have to um change over to a wheelchair so, uh, so but not ever I mean cerebral palsy as far as I'm concerned is the the epitome of the student that needs an adaptive PE teacher I mean they need to if they're in a, a wheelchair they need to know how to use that wheelchair properly how to sit properly in that wheelchair and um 
I'm sure other disabled children, you know, I, I, I kind of, um, what I see as a disabled person is probably the extreme. I'm sure Rocco works with a lot of students who are very mobile and um, just need to strengthen um, areas. But an adaptive PE teacher is sort of like the coach at your gym, that you talk to at your gym, um, you know, what you need to work on and um, what you need to strengthen, I guess. So, so like a special education teacher, you were looking for Rocco to individualize mm -hmm. your instructions. Exactly, which he always did, yes, correct. yes. And, and that's what we want to make sure that parents expect. Parents need to understand that that adaptive physical education is a service that's going to be individualized, and that adaptive physical education teacher is going to be able to provide you with that type of information. I just think it's important that parents have expectations as to what that adaptive physical educator is going to do, and as Rocco has, has so nicely expressed, there's a lot of different things that an adaptive PE teacher does for parents. Over the course of the um, 10 or 15 years that Rocco worked with JW, I guess 10 years, yeah. twice yeah. JW had major surgery oh, um, at, uh, up in Washington, and so the, the healing process um, was long and tedious, and Rocco kind of worked with us... Um, uh, along with his doctor and uh, and the physical therapist, Rocco yeah. came. As a matter of fact, he came up to the hospital a couple of times. Yeah. Um, he worked as an adaptive PE teacher as well as allowing me to um, to see what good and bad the the operation mm -hmm. did in the long run. I mean, it was it was a very serious operation and. And we worked through it and um, and made the, the operation turn out better as a result of the... Um, so what basically we do is we just don't provide a service in the classroom. We provide a service through the lifespan of a child. Uh, and when you take that in thought process from our perspective as adapt PE teachers, you really get to know all your families. Every child that I've come in contact with as an educator... Uh, you know, I want to stay in contact with them as long as they possibly can to make sure that what we provided in the classroom is continued in the home and in the community. And that's kind of... That's so, that's so important what Rocco just said about the lifespan, um, because as an adaptive physical education teacher, you're working with parents for multiple years. You may, in a school district where you're the adaptive PE teacher, you may have that youngster for age three to four years old all the way to age 21. Um, my, my wife is, a, is an adaptive physical education itinerant specialist, as Rocco knows, and I'm forever going to graduation parties with her of students that she said, I had her when she was, in, was, when she was four years old. And that's a very, very important aspect of an adaptive physical education teacher linking with parents because that is truly education. That's getting to know the child, the parents, that's really having an impact on the lives of people, not only when they're four, but really preparing them for physical activity for a lifetime. Right. It, it's a fantastic thing, and uh, it really becomes a major factor. 
All right, so I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast on parent advocacy. We're going to have uh, another episode coming out in the next few weeks with the same guest continuing our discussion about parent advocacy. So just a reminder, September 16th and 17th, I will be at the APE conference at Texas Women's University doing a live podcast. So make sure you come on out and give me any feedback. Remember to give me an email or check out the blog and take care. And we'll be back very soon.